And welcome to the Glacier Musical Podcast, Beer, Metal, and Swearing. Once again, it is Nick Cameron. I am joined by my wife's cat, Leia Shabubu, Leia Shabubu Cameron, and of course, uh, Kolkalash Chaklas. They don't get better. They get more weird. I, I was actually having a hard time coming up with one today. And All I decided right. to just go. I, I saw the the Czech International Center is having a Kalashi breakfast, and I decided to go with that. That sounds pretty cool. I wonder what the Czech breakfast consists of. Kaloshes. Okay. The Kaloshes are like Hot Pockets, but really fucking delicious. Oh, okay. Not uh, made of crap. No. Unfortunately, this one is like vegetable and egg Kaloshes, so I'm not going. But there is a Kalosh restaurant, which I have been to, and I think I ate about seven. Jeez. They're only the size of like a hockey puck, but... Uh, as it is, as it is what it is. What are you drinking, my friend? Uh, this is a um, Fantasyland Midwest Coast IPA, as I am the Midwest Coastal Elite. On the, uh, the Oh, it's delicious. I've had it many times. From uh, Urban Chestnut Brewing, which is uh, pretty close to my house. So absolutely love it. And guess what I have today? I have a Voodoo Ranger, New Belgium. Uh, no, you don't. Juice, juicy Haze IPA. You have a Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze. It's not the same thing. I know, but I'm saying at least I represented the brand. So we're going to find out. Fair enough, fair enough. I am not a... I can only get what I can get at Trader Joe's or a couple of places I go to. I am not a big fan of uh, Juicy or Hazy IPAs, although I do have to say I love the Schlafly Winter Haze IPA, which is another local brewery here in St. Louis, our oldest craft brew. And... I do love the Upslope Hazy IPA because it's not that hazy. My uh, my love for hazy IPAs was quickly killed when I drank a Skullhammer. No, I'm sorry, Warhammer. Oh, a Warhammer IPA. Warhammer Double IPA. It gave me such horrible heartburn on one sip. I thought I was having a heart attack. Why was it so bad on the heartburn? What was in it? Uh, I have was no idea. Was it too I- hoppy? No, there's no such thing as too hoppy for me. I like... To drink IPAs that taste like wood, that taste like sappy wood, like the the Founders Brewing Devil Dancer Triple IPA, which is over 12% ABV. You only need a couple of those to uh, just end the night. So, but they're also like $20 for four, so it's a little pricey. And they only come out once a year because how the hell are you going to get that many hops lined up? Mm. Uh, I like this. It's it is very juicy and it is a little hazy and I don't dislike it. I like it. I'm not a big fan of the the Ranger IPA, but I love the Voodoo Ranger IPA and I love the Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA. That's the one I was looking for. The Voodoo Ranger Imperial is just slightly stronger than the Voodoo Ranger. The Voodoo Ranger I want to say is like seven point five percent. And I like heavier beers when I'm only gonna have one or two because I, I like the taste better. If, but okay. uh, been buying a lot less. Uh, I've been buying a lot more session beers lately because I don't always. Uh, not, I try to, when when you're trying to session those nine percenters, it gets a little squiffy. Okay. Um, do we have any vinyl to update this week? I have no new vinyls for I, the first I, time in a while. I've been doing eBay and Discog sales to help get us out of a bit of a spot. Just you know, and uh, I felt like today I deserved a purchase. So I made a purchase because I I discovered a a Monty Python podcast this week called Python Up the Misses, which is a Scottish gentleman and his wife. Uh, I forget his name, but her name is Fiona, because how are you going to forget that? So big shout out to Python Up the Misses. It is a podcast where she's never really seen it. They watch it and they discuss each episode. Really enjoying that. And uh, so I bought... The last Monty Python studio album I didn't have, which was Monty Python's previous record. It cost me $6 shipped, so felt like I'd earned it. It's pretty, I like the price, and I, lo- I love Monty Python. It's I, merely a scratch. I also love Monty Python. What, no wife, one expects the Spanish Inquisition. On our bronze anniversary, my wife surprised me with tickets to see... Monty Python and the Holy Grail at the Stiefel Theater, which mm-hmm. is what is the theater that abuts up to the Enterprise Center, 
when that arena was built, they it was built onto the Kiel Auditorium slash Kiel Opera House. They blew up the auditorium side, which is where Metallica played. That's where Metallica played on the Justice Tour. That's where Kiss played in the 80s. That's It was a 12,000-seater. We had basketball teams that played there. No hockey played there because there was no ice. But when they built the then Kiel Center, later Savas Center, finally later the Scott Trade Center, and now currently the Enterprise Center, four names, four names, five names, I don't know, a shit ton of names in 25 years. So they... When they built it, they said, oh, we're going to put on, we're going to revamp the opera house and we're going to make it back into a theater and make it lovely. And it took 20 years. And that's, so she took me to see the Holy Grail followed by a question and answer session with John Cleese. So I have seen two members of Monty Python in person, one performing. I also saw Eric Idle come out to say hello at Spamalot at the Muni. The Muni is the outdoor theater in Forest Park, which Forest Park, for the record, is twice the size of Central Park and has a better zoo that's free. Well, it wouldn't be a stretch to have a better zoo than Central Park, twice the size of Central Park. Are you sure that's accurate? The Central Park is one of the biggest parks in America. You don't have to look it up. I'm, I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Forest I, I, I'm park in... size. 60 city blocks in New York plus across. 10.93 square miles. And Wait, that's that's not the right one. That's, hang on, hang on. Uh, 1,300 acres. It is bigger than Central Park in New York. Okay. Central, and let's see, how big is Central Park? Because I'm curious now. Park, New New York. I'm pretty size. sure Central Park is like the biggest park in America. Uh, one point wildlife. One point three seven square miles, which would be about seven hundred and fifty square acres. Well, okay then. You know your metric system or something. No, um, I just remember from uh, eighth, seventh grade history that when they sold the Louisiana territory, they sold it for a dollar an acre, but you had to buy it in a square mile, and a square mile was six hundred and forty six. I see. I see. Okay, man. That is the kind of useless trivia that you're going to get from me. I have a random, I like useless trivia. I have a random question for you that has nothing to do with this podcast, and I could just ask you this offline, but I'm going to just impose on our listeners. Um, Have you ever gone to Kansas City for a show? Not yet. Yes, I have. I saw Ace Fraley at the North Kansas City which casino was it? Oh God, it's a big one. Harrah's North Casino, North Kansas City Harrah's Casino. Because so it's about three and a half hours from your town. Correct. I also had to work the next day. Wow. So you drove there and back in the night. Yes. Wow. We did skip the encore because the encore was just Detroit Rock City deuce and rock and roll all night. And if there's one thing I don't need to hear Ace Fraley do, it's all of that. <laughs> or any. Oh. Um, I hate the okay. fact that Ace does not play his solo material. He, he really is leaning into these covers, which I don't enjoy. Gotta be honest. Um, he's he's always leaned into Kiss material. It's always been at least half. He's not half. leaning into it now. He's not. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, my oh, Lord. Okay. I know he just jammed on stage with Alice Cooper on that current tour. Yeah, Alice Cooper does that when he tours with people that are important. Uh, when I saw him with Marilyn Manson, he they finished the zombie. Game. Yep. Let's see. October. We don't, oh, we don't talk about Marilyn Manson. No, we don't talk about him anymore. I know. I know. I'm just. I, that's actually. The, I've mentioned that show with Alice, but that's the first time I've actually mentioned who yeah. he played with. Uh, I'm trying to find a set list here, but I keep finding ones that don't have a set list. Come on, what the, what the fuck? October 9th, Jacksonville, Florida. Here we go. Let me know when you hear one that's not a Kiss song. Ready? Rocket Ride, Parasite, Strutter, Rip It Out, Never In My Life. Oh, Rip It Out. Rip It Out is a Kiss song. It was on the Kiss solo album. Never In My Life, Mountain Cover, Good Times, Bad Times, Zeppelin Cover, Detroit Rock City, New York Groove, Shock Me, Cold Gin, Black Diamond, Deuce. Nobody wants to hear Ace cover Zeppelin. I love him. Nobody wants to hear that. The Good Times, Um, Bad Times cover actually wasn't that bad on the album because mm -hmm. they auto-tuned him. Yeah, they had to. 
Well, that's because he can't sing anymore because he can't hear. And Bruce Kulick played the solo. So no way. Because you know Bruce oh, Kulick can actually really play well. really solo. Solo. Yeah. Hey, we love Ace. It's fine. I um. Oh, I love Ace to death. He's just um, the, the last six or seven years of his career have been not worth reporting on. Yeah. Frankly. Um, I did have a loving kiss nerd out in my interview flex this week with frank bellow of anthrax whose memoir is coming out and kiss was one of his first loves and we talked about kiss and buying records at local independent record shops in the bronx growing up he's just a, maybe six or seven years older than me so uh, it was quite a thrill on the 10-year anniversary and one month of interviewing him for the Big Four Yankee Stadium to interview him again. And we vibed heavily because his story is very similar to my own. Very tough, hard hard scrabble upbringing. I never made it thrash metal, but I am also a bassist and uh, <laughs> love Rush and Kiss and things like that. So, yeah, without the fame and good looks, I have a Frank Bellow arc also. Um while we're uh, throwing out names of famous bassists, Roger Waters posted photos of his new wife today. Oh. Exceedingly younger than him. Well, he's, yeah, uh, you know. Youth is wasted on the young and money is wasted on the rich. So I'm sure Roger's a charming, wonderful guy. For a couple of years, at least. Um, he is booked the tour for next year. Not coming here this time, which is unfortunate. Not too far from you, though. I was looking at it. That's why Kansas I City. I, well, I was, that's why I asked. When the when the tour was announced originally in 2020, I was considering going to Kansas City. I it's had, Memorial Day weekend. It's oh, it sorry, Labor Day weekend. It's definitely doable. Oh, I, I could easily fly in and go to. I may. Show. I may. I'm have thinking. To, I, I've I may considered it already. Nice. Just yeah, okay. Well, maybe if, I'll if see you, you for that. If you buy a ticket, then I'll buy a ticket. Actually, if you buy a plane ticket, I'll buy our seats. <laughs> All right. Well, geez. just keep in mind, I buy cheap seats. That's fine. I don't care about that. I mean, okay. it's Roger. It's going to be a huge the wall. Exactly. Right? He's going to do the wall or whatever he does. Giant no, he it. actually has uh, the powers that be in the set list. Wow. I'm excited because I'm one of the 18 people that likes Radio Chaos. Yeah, yeah. It's a decent record. Um, shall we discuss some King's X? Let's do that. Again, um, this is something that you are far more versed than I am. I'm trying to study up. I listened to both of these albums once or twice this week, and I'm, I'm doing my best. I, I'm trying. No, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not shirking. It's just. No, I got you. So, just interestingly enough, as we are recording this, King's X has announced. This is well anticipated and long expected that they would enter the studio soon to record a brand new album. To come out in 2022, that's the goal. Uh, and it's coming out of Golden Robot Records, pretty cool record label from uh, kind of Australia. Not one I'm familiar with. Really cool. They've, they have Frank Ferrer's solo band from Guns N' Roses. Gilby Clark is an artist on that label. Very, very cool stuff on that label. Um, Rob Trujillo's wife and her musical partner just put out a record on that label. So it's interesting. They do interesting stuff and they will support King's X. They deserve a lot of love. I'm really excited about it. King's X record, it's been a minute since they have. I will say if they come to town, I'm probably going. Yeah, you kind of need to go see them live once. So we last last episode, when we last saw our heroes in my Batman announcer voice we talked about their full-length debut gretchen ghost to nebraska in 1989 we gave amazing record really amazing and it isn't it's great and they still play stuff from it but really it's sort of like they got there they were just getting their sound so now the next album is very different it's quite different because they have now leaned into this vibe where they're doing heavy, they're doing heavy Beatles and psychedelia, and every member of the band sings a lead vocal at least once on this album. This is this is faith, hope, love, not live, laugh, love for you Karens and <laughs> pumpkin spice latte bitches. This is faith, hope, love, and arguably their most successful record. I really think it's Dogman, but which is coming later in the next episode. But this this one is statistically their biggest charting record 
their most endure one of their most enduring records is biggest hit single second or biggest hit single for the mainstream which is it's love and um it's a fantastic album but it is different it's definitely like they found themselves and this is where they live now at least for the rest of the 90s they live in this space i'm gonna jump in real quick and point out that in the behind the music oh my god i'm gonna do it again jason newstead talked about how you look at the black album and the people that found us then that's my metallica and then you look at the next album and they're in pimp suits with semen on the cover and the different sound cuban cigars man he was stuck on that cover but they hate it like james and him hated it and lars kind of vetoed them all and was like kirk and i like it and this is what it's gonna be and then they went back they were like we're gonna go right back to it for the next one okay yeah and i feel like Gretchen moves to Kansas. Gretchen goes to Nebraska is more my King's X. That is... Uh, I get it. I much preferred that album to these two. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to talk about the value of these records because I think there's a lot in them. Um, I would say, see, to me, Gretchen is a great record and some of those big, big iconic songs are real, like, have staying power, as do some of these, especially this guy here. Uh, has re- songs, they continue to play songs off all these records live, um, which is wonderful. If you go see them, they're going to play all these jams. But um, this is where they kind of become the King's X everyone knows. And so... Agreed. They, and basically they round robin these because they're so vocal driven, so melody centric, so harmonious, for lack of a better word, so mellifuous, <laughs> that they really go heavy on the vocals are like maybe even almost like i'd like to hear more guitar in the mix than the vocals sometimes like i i would argue they went too heavy on the vocals this time well this is the way they lived and they were good at i know i understand doug pinnock to me is the best vocalist and it's not (laughs) well yeah even by a little it's by leaps and bounds and i would have preferred to hear more of him on this album these are very long records, by the way. These first few King's yeah. records are like 12, 13 songs. They take a bit of sitting 50, with 50, 60 minutes, which right. I, I didn't feel like they were over long because no. they're a band with a lot of different sides. You know, the 30 minute, 40, the 30 minute, the 30 to 45 minute time frame is great for bands like ACDC, bands like Kiss, bands that even black sabbath honestly shouldn't be you around know. too shouldn't stick around too long with these right when you start and to do these longer songs they fall off right or you just have songs like toys from ace fraley space invader which was not necessary it could have cut that maybe cut what every girl wants and get that down to a tight 40 rather than 60 but that's besides the point and so it, it never felt like a slog. It felt long. like It felt like reading a Stephen King novel, the good ones, the good Stephen King novels, where you're, you're going through all of this really good content that adds to the story, but it just takes a while. I feel you. I feel you. So let's, let's just jam through the track by tra- track. We don't have to do them all, but we'll go pretty quickly through the really memorable ones to me. And if any of them jumped out to you, then, you know, please chime in. We Are Finding Who We Are leads off the record, sung by Doug. Uh, there are 13 tracks. Doug sings one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine of the 13 tracks do, does feature Doug. But again, they sing so much harmony that it's almost like, a, you know, you know, it's Monster X. It's three heads all the time. But Doug sings Yeah, lead. it never really felt like they were doing the revolving singer thing, mm-hmm. even though they were. Mm-hmm. It felt like when the other two guys were singing, they were trying to sing in that style that Doug sang in. Well, I don't but know. Doug I do really feel like found his voice on this album. And I mean that in a literal sense, not a musical sense. This was vocally speaking light years ahead of Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. Yeah, he really is just incredible on here. He's incredible in general, but he really Completely. developed here. And, um, so we are finding who we are. Solid opener, four minutes forty seconds. Great pop rock song. It's a little heavy, but it's just a straight up, pretty good song. They still play it today. That's um, that, that's kind of a running motif on this album for me. Is it's a little heavy. 
Gretchen goes to Nebraska was heavy. There was no Heavier. question. They were a metal band on that album. Yes. And they sort of took a step toward more toward the psychedelic and the expressive and the progressive on this record. And then they kind of get it back on the next couple. Right. They, they go very much <clears throat> metal adjacent mm. rather than metal on this. And one. remember the time this is 1991. Yeah. Or is this is 1990. Yeah. Sorry. This is 1990. So you have before the black album, you have, you know, pre-grunge. But in that time, even though grunge hasn't exploded yet, grunge is a thing. Grunge exists. And not just that, but you have... Because in 1990, when somebody said metal, they meant Quiet Riot or Poison or Bon Jovi. And those bands at this point in time are looking well past silly, well past expiration. And then you have Motley Crue going sober. Put a pin in that we'll get to them later but it, it was a weird time for heavier music because the bands that we all knew as heavy were really falling out of fashion this is when iron maiden drops no prayer for the dying <clears throat> which is bad anthrax has persistence of time which i love facelift by alice in chains comes out but it doesn't do much yet Slow um, right uh, Rust in Peace by Megadeth. Megadeth's last great record. Last great record. I'm not saying last good record. <clears throat> last great one. I, I love Countdown to Extinction. But okay. I don't. I don't. Okay. I'm um, sorry. I've got. I've still got Queens so much Reich. of high school stuck in me. Yeah, Queensryche has a big record at this time. The yeah. Empire. Really almost dominating everything. And uh, even and Def Queen's Leopard, was kind of hair metal too. Well, kind of, not bit, like not, Jeff's voice, but not really. Yeah, they, musically they weren't. Just Jeff had the high, high voice. I said um, kind of, not completely. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. So, good start to the record. Oh, Second real track, quick for oh, the record, when I say hair metal, I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. No, I know, I know. some people say that. I'm just mm-hmm. clarifying because some people get I like really to say upset glam about rock. it. Like glam rock, glam hair rock. metal. To me, it's all synonyms. It's I love hair metal. I love Poison. I love Motley Crue. I love, love Bon Jovi. Rat. I've seen them all. Love Rat. Yeah, Bon Jovi was great for a couple of records there. Couple I love. Records, yeah. I love Rat more than I probably should. Um, Rat was a big part of my formative days. So was Quiet Riot. So was Motley Crue. And they, <laughs> and I'm I'm one of those people that doesn't really go through phases. Mm-hmm. You know, if I like something, I still like it. Like this past this past week on the the Department of Metal Antiquities, Duncan and I did um, Soundgarden, and I only like one Soundgarden record, and I didn't like what they did after that, but I still like that record, which is Bad Motor Figure, of course. Interesting. Sorry, um, I don't have a whole lot to say, so I'm just throwing everything. No, out. just throw it all at the kitchen sink, it, bro. Um, second track on the record is arguably the best-known King's X song. It's Love. It's a brilliant song. Ty Tabor sings lead. I know it's a bone of contention from reading the King's X book that two of the three most popular King's X songs are sung by Ty, and they're beloved by fans. Like, if you're a fan of it, like, this song is titanically beautiful. It's like the Beatles brought a bunch of sledgehammers to a rec room and smashed the room up, you know? Like, it's wonderful. Pleiades is the other one that we were talking about um, from the last I t- I'm one of the people that tend to like the songs sung by <laughs> others, but honestly, I didn't even notice on this one that... Yeah, Ty has, Ty's got a really different kind of range than, than Doug. He's got a higher voice, less gritty, and more clean. Jerry, on his one song we'll get to in a few, does like a hybrid of the two, which is interesting. And he's also a very good singer. Um, so It's Love is really amazing. Great guitar. It's just great. Everything about it. Love it. Um, then a couple of solid ones. I'll Never Get Tired of You and Fine Art of Friendship. Solid. I, I really liked I'll Never Get Tired of You. Fine Art of Friendship. That one That one was a little bit of a slog for me. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I, I wonder if that one was, because as we discussed last week, uh, Doug came to terms with his sexuality. I wonder if that was a step towards that. Could be. There's a, there's a, you know, just like listening back to Judas Priest now and hearing. Oh God. Super duper entendres. We never picked up on because we were well, all dumb. I mean, the, the thing about Judas Priest is Rob Halford, they, they did rebel without a cause. And Rob Halford was the girl. 
could be. Um, No, it's not could be. He he was the one waving the hanky for the race, and we just went, oh, that Rob. And boy, George, oh, that guy, he just wears girls' clothes. Moving on. Moving on, yes. Doug would not come out for a long time. Yeah, Doug would not come out for a long time, but I agree that there's there's a lot, there's some relationship stuff. They are moving away to more interpersonal song topics on this record. There's still some spirituality stuff here. We are finding who we are. Uh, Six Broken Soldiers, We Were Born to Be Loved. These are very faith, hope, love, very religious themed, spirituality themed songs. Singing about personal things is something I find that most metal bands have real problems with. Yeah, well. So, you are not talking at, about a lot of readers or thinkers, you know what I'm saying? They, sh- they I, I disagree. Everybody's doing the toxic waltz. Nobody's talking. <laughs> I disagree. There's a lot of reading, reading Dostoevsky, you know. I disagree, but that's besides the point. It's neither here nor there. And but a lot of a lot of those guys have used songs like a Tu Le Monde songs like Fade to Black, songs like Leper Messiah, in order to work out their inner demons. They're, they're, it's a lot more allegorical rather than straightforward. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll buy that for a dollar. Um, <laughs> you like that, right? Um, That's a good reference. You know. Um, okay. it oh, well. Oh, well. Sorry. <clears throat> Struggling to get a thing. Um, Mr. Wilson and Moan Jam and Six Broken Soldiers make up a really beautiful middle section of this record, just about the middle. And I they're all so do without Moan Jam. Oh, no. Um, Mr. Wilson is really great and has an expanded chorus of vocalists from the band Galactic Cowboys, a Houston, very unheralded heavy metal band you may or may not know. I do know them. I was lucky enough to do a vinyl review of their reunion album. That's cool. Uh, which was um, <laughs> crap. Something about the moon. I can hear the song. And, you know, now that I think about it, they sound a lot like King's X. They sound a lot like each other. They do very uh, heavily on the vocals. Every guy sings backup vocals. But uh, they sang on Mr. Wilson and the title track. Um I like Mr. Wilson. Moan Jam is not a great song. It's a little long, but it's fun. I like it's that it's over very long. It's, it's like two minutes too long. long. Yeah. Or maybe three minutes too long. But it's fun. They do play it live because it's up-tempo. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, it's the like one of their first real aggressively fast. That's the longest so, song on the album. Uh, no, no. The yes. title track is nine minutes long. Nine I apologize. You're, you are correct. I stand and I sit corrected. Um, <clears throat> Six Broken Soldiers at the midpoint of the record, this track seven, sung by Jerry, first track fully sung by Jerry. Very unheralded, least talked about guy of the three, but very talented, great drummer, great singer. Had a long, he's the oldest guy in the band, he's a very long history of music. Jerry's got really bad heart problems. Um, he's got it under control now, but he's definitely had his issues, and he did have COVID at one point last year, so it was very scary for him. But he's got a, he also brings another flavor vocally to the track, and I think that there's very little harmony on that song. Um, I think it's kind of mostly just Jerry with a little bit of backups. I don't remember. Honestly, I don't remember that one very well. It's oh. <clears throat> I did I did the best I could with the time I had, and I understand. Um, following up, I can't help it. Talk to you, and everywhere I go, solid again, just good. A little lighter, as we talked about, more like rock songs, not metal. A little R- bit of they, grit. Uh, reminded me a lot of um, of Union later, where. It's um, which union was, um, if anybody doesn't know, Bruce Kulick of Kiss and John Karabi, late of Motley Crue, as they were both late. They the band was formed about two weeks after John Karabi was un- unceremoniously fired, uh, which was uh, three months after Nikki Six talked about how greedy Gene and Paul were for firing Bruce Kulick for the reunion. So as we so you know Nikki Six, you know as he was once as I've seen him called before. Glampaw talking again. And uh, yeah, and 
it's very much like heavier Beatles, not metal, but it's, it's I, I don't know how to describe that sound. It's kind of like an umbrella. It, it's like a sonic umbrella. I, I, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm going to stop. No, fair enough. Um, what song was that that you were technically referring to? Uh, specifically, probably Talk To You. Yeah, Talk To You is good. I Can't Help It's another Thai song. Good, not great, but I like I Can't Help It. Talk To You is okay. <clears throat> Everywhere I Go is okay. And then they close out two great songs and an okay one uh, to wind up this record. We Were Born To Be Loved is beautiful. Just a beautiful song. Again, very spiritual, very about God and religion and your place in the world. Um, and of course, Faith, Hope, Love, it's long. And it's a little, kind of a little hint of their future progginess. Not that it's that proggiest song, but it's just, I think, the choices they made in the writing and the song craft kind of lean toward like, oh, this could have gone a whole different direction. It's very deep. And, and, and you know, they do play that song live on occasion. But it's long. It's 922. Um, for a major label record in, you know, it's on Megaforce still, but this were, these were the Megaforce records that started to get put out to Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's quite a long song, but, you know, it's the title track, so you get away with some stuff. And then um, the album closes with Legal Kill, which is kind of an acoustic ballad sung by Ty, um, which is interesting and a little political, actually, which the band had not been that political. Obviously, there's a lot some stuff in there about sexuality, racism, spiritually, spirituality, but they were not overtly political. Uh, they haven't been. They might in the future because Doug is very passionate about politics. He just doesn't sing a lot about it. Um, so really interesting stuff here. Um, there is kind of like, it's like acoustic guitar and a recorder, <laughs> which like is normally not on a rock or metal record to hear recorder. <clears throat> so um and also the really interesting uh album artwork that looks like a carving right like it looks like it was carved in a you know it looks like almost runes or like you know wood carved like you find in a church so like it just continues that theme for them you know yeah and i mean this album largely and i hate to say it but largely this album really didn't grab me. The, mm. the previous album really, really grabbed me. And I really liked it. It was heavier. It was a little grittier. That This one is a bit more finding themselves, which, I mean, the, the first track definitely uh, alludes to that. You know, we are finding who we are. Well, that pretty much just says that right there. They are in a transitional period where they are leaving the spirituality, leaving the Christian, leaving the Christianity bent to their music behind them. And this is a band in transition. It's not a bad album. It just, it just didn't thump me. The first, the Gretchen goes to Nebraska. I loved it, loved it. And if I if I end up buying one of these, and these were re-released on vinyl back in, I want to say 2018, I looked it up today, which I also discovered that, uh, and this pissed me off to no end, uh, Sex Packets by Digital Underground was re-released last month, three months in after... blue vinyl. Three it months after I purchased a Scandinavian copy of that album from the 80s. Like a million dollars. No, I got a good deal. I, I, I got a good deal because it was right after, it was like a month after... Shock G had passed, and I went, huh, 30 bucks shipped? Now that's the number that I probably better jump on this while I can. And it took like eight months to get the stupid thing, because not that. I mean, it took like two months, though. It actually showed up, and I went, oh, my God, Scandinavian Scandinavian postal marks. I can finally listen to the Humpty Dance on vinyl. And then they fucking drop it again, bastards. Same thing happened a month after I bought uh, Four of a Kind by DRI. Damn it. Damn it, damn it. Um, but I've got a warped OG copy of Four of a Kind, so I got that going for me. That's cool. Sounds um, good. That is cool. So I don't know if you need to take a break. No, I'm good. You're just going to power through. Just power through. Power through, man. Power through. So they go on tour, and they, 
you know, again, it's love is their biggest hit. So like it, it opens doors for them. They start opening for bigger bands. They're not quite, they do headline tours, but they're not like blowing up. But like the track gets- Hang tracked. on, I, I just want to point out the, it was not a recorder on that song. It was a soprano recorder and it was played by Kemper Crab. Kemper Crab is an infamous uh, folk- Recorder player? Artist, recorder player and folk artist. Recorderist? Um, recorderist? Recorderoy? Oh, that's Ooh. my pants. Um, yeah, man. Number six, um, It's Love is like, was number six on the charts. That's impressive for an underground band on Megaforce Records with a little distro through Atlantic. Um, I mean, at that point in time, how much was Atlantic doing for Megaforce Records? A bit because those re- those some of those bands were breaking through. Anthrax had already left for Island, but like some of those Megaforce records were getting dis- distro back then was crucial. And so if you had Atlantic's carte blanche for di- for distro, uh, you know their ability to get records pushed and sold that's huge for an underground band to make money. True. A lot more money than Megaforce could have helped them make. No disrespect, and I love Megaforce Records. I really do. Megaforce Records is a bird dog label. It, 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 they, they, it, it, great bird doggers, but that's what they are. Wow. All good. So King's X turns right around a year and a half, less than a year and a half later, and puts out the self-titled album King's X. This is in March of 1992. And oh, it's real quick, we did not talk about the producer. Well, I think we talked about him, Sam Taylor. Same guy as last time? Okay. Yeah, so Sam Taylor was their sort of Svengali. He was their, uh, you know, their sort of uh, entrepreneur. He was the, known for being a manager of ZZ Top. He helped position That's things right. as okay. a Christian band. He plays on some of these records. Maybe he wasn't. Like, I'm going to say that the credit for the sound of the band really comes from the band, not Sam. But Sam was the guy who was the dial pusher. He was the contract signer. He was the deal maker. And so he installed himself as the producer and the work for a while. And then it a, per, a good producer is like a coach on a sports team. The athlete gets the credit for how, what they do, but the coach gets the credit for putting them in the right position to do it. And, and also points on the record. Which is a con, you know, could be a source of contention if pennies and stuff add up. And, you know, true. Heavy metal bands don't make a lot of money. So, King's X to me is a heavier album, but it's not as memorable, weirdly. Obviously, it doesn't quite have in its love, which is, you know, when you have a big hit, the pressure comes on to write more songs like that. I don't think they did that here. I think they just kind of found their own way. That being said, these songs, some of them are excellent. I just don't think that it is as, I think this record's heavier, but not as tuneful all the way through, like the last one. I liked this one better. Yeah, I figured you would. It, it's, it's worth pointing out that this one only hit 136 on Billboard. Yeah, and I and... think some of that had to do with Atlantic not quite knowing what to do with them when they fully had them under their label. Although Black this, Flag hit 17 on the mainstream rock tracks. Yeah, well, we're going to get to how immense that track is and how it's also in the top whatever of, of this band's music. I love that song. Actually, I haven't really ever heard them play it live, which is too bad, but it's awesome. That seems odd. Yeah, I don't think... I Maybe I've seen them play it live once. Um, so, yeah, man. they uh, Again, they continue to kind of do this, the three-part harmony... Doug sings more of these songs than the last record, less of a, you know, sort of group effort, although the harmonies are still there. Um, Ty continues to do sitar and dulcimer. He plays like an SK-1 Casio at one point, which I had that keyboard. There's some cello on here again. Sam Taylor plays piano and organ at certain points when they're feeling a little, you know, spiritual. But, um, this is really Doug's record to me in my mind, where he really, uh, they again, they are, consider themselves all equals, but I do feel like this is Doug's record in a lot of ways. And uh, that's going to happen with any band where everyone writes. Yeah. You're, you're just going to find yourself in a spot where one guy has a bunch 
and not everyone else does. This one doesn't even have, uh, on the Wikipedia article, it doesn't even have uh, individual credits. Right. And whenever, so, whenever there's no individual credits, it usually means the same thing. Yeah, One person basically. wrote most of it. And I know Marty Warren, who's a famous rock producer uh, or song, you know, songsmith was on this. And he helped write, I think he helped write a couple of these songs. Um, he wrote um, Prisoner. He, he co-wrote Prisoner. That's yeah, Prisoner is a good song. World Agreed. Around Me is a good song. Kicks off mm -hmm. the record. Prisoner is a good song. Big Picture is a good song. Lost in Germany is wonderful. Lost in Germany is a great song. Chariot song is fun. Ooh, song I can live without. Sorry, y'all. Um, you know, not just for the dead is fun. It's a good track. These are they're heavier. They're definitely a little more direct on this one. They're shorter songs. There's no long squiffy title track. It's pretty heavy. There's definitely like a driving overdrive all the way through this. I think this is the last record where Ty is playing the guitar with the active pickups. And then after this, he got the rack mount that modeled that sound. So he didn't always have to use it. But he had like a special custom Paul Reed Smith with a custom pickup that over, you know, gave him that built-in overdrive instead of from a pedal or mm -hmm. tube amps. Um, so it definitely gives the guitar a little snarl and a growl that I don't think it had on the last one when they were trying to be a little more Beatles-y. <clears throat> Definitely noticeable. The The previous album was much cleaner, a lot less distortion, which... By design. I mean, probably by design. I would, I, would, I would agree with that. It just... What we're talking about now, and what I'm talking about now, comes down to my personal taste, and mm -hmm. I like a little... I like more snarl than clean. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, what I know about Love is also good. It's a little bit longer. I think it's the longest song on the album. And they do play it live still to this day. And then we get Black Flag, which had MTV video all over it. And at the time was their heaviest song. It's definitely more hard rock and borderline metal with that riff and bass growling in the bottom. Um, it is an incredible song vocally and lyrically. It's catchy as fuck because the vocals in the chorus are harmonized. Um, again, a lot of people who said that Alice in Chains copied this band. I mean, this song is after Alice in Chains made it and broke. And I think Dirt came out right after this. So I'm not saying that Alice in Chains copied this band, but definitely they were the next band out with this kind of sound. This one, in th they absolutely chose the right song for the single. Because this was the song that stood out to me. And whenever I'm listening to these albums, what, you know, I don't read the Wikipedia before I listen. I read the Wikipedia after I listen. Yeah. yeah. And this is the one that was like, holy fuck. You just, you know, it's always been my belief that every band is going to get one perfect song. This and is one of those perfect songs. And arguably Ty Tabor's best guitar performance of any song. Oh, that's the one with that solo. Great fucking solo. Memorable as fuck at the time when soloing was still cool. There wasn't was going to be for too much longer, but it was still cool. <laughs> Agreed. That was another thing about this album that I liked more than the previous. There were more guitar solos, more metal solos. And I, I, I love twiddly widdly guitars. You know, just give me that twiddle whittle. It, it, it makes my bell end go, go ups. Bell end is also a derogatory term for our British listeners. Uh, yeah, Duncan. I know Duncan what it means. Thinks, yeah, ask Duncan if he thinks you're a bell end. Um, but a bell end is the tip of the wang doodle. Yes, the wang. We've discussed this. Um, have we? Black. Just, it came. Wow, we should not have been discussing. <laughs> I, I I'm gonna. I'm gonna quote. Uh, I'm gonna quote Wayne from uh, Letterkenny. There's a such thing as too much horn talk, and a fellow ought to know. I have not seen it. Um, oh my God! Watch it. You haven't seen Dodgeball. I haven't seen Letterkenny. Ben Stiller's or, in Dodgeball. Or Ted there's Lasso. no one. You, there's no. You haven't seen Ted Lasso. I haven't seen Ted Lasso. I also don't care about soccer. I don't care about soccer. It's not about Lasso. soccer. Okay. As such, I saw soccer, and I was like, no. You have to. <laughs> soccer's like hockey. You have to know how to watch it. I played it as a little kid. I know how. To so okay, soccer, anybody who played soccer as a little kid has not played soccer. Okay. Uh, I played soccer as a little kid. I didn't know what it was either. All of my athleticism I thought offside meant I was going to the wrong side of the field, left to right. 
Because, okay. yeah. Sorry. Um, Dream in My Life and Silent Wind close the album out solidly. Uh, again, it's just, except for, I would say, like, World Around Me, Prisoner, Lost in Germany, What I Know About Love, Black Flag. So, like, five of 11 songs are bangers, or at least good to excellent. And then the rest agreed. of the record's just kind of there. Also agreed. It, this, al- this album, like the previous, does not have a whole lot, for me, it doesn't have a whole lot of tendrils to really suck me in. And... There's obviously a lot of talent, a lot of work going on in all of this, but not everything is going to hit for everybody. And still, neither one of these albums comes, does not approach Gretchen Goes to Nebraska for me. That album, I listened to that album and I thought, holy hell, we're going to have a great few weeks. This is awesome. I don't want to do this. I was telling my wife, I don't want to do this. I, I don't know these people. And I listened to that and went, oh, yes. And then we got to the next one and I'm like, wait a minute, what? And there was a lot of wait a minute, what is, what is this? Who are these people? And I I feel as an outside observer who has not listened ahead, I feel like we are still listening to a band in transition that is trying to take all of their influences and all of their, you know, every band has and every musician and every artist has these influences and they want to get them all in one thing. And it's a lot of moving pieces. And I feel like the pieces are still moving even at this point. Again, as an observer who has not listened to the next record, I'm probably very wrong, but that's how going through this history, that's how this feels to me is we're still not, the jigsaw puzzle is not done. It gets done in time for the next one. And I'm going to say that, all these things lead, all these roads lead to Dog Band, which we're going to cover next week. It deserves its own episode because it's that good a record. It's a very interesting backstory and, and forward story, after story. Like the Dog Man era um, got them the most fans, has a tremendous story to it, both front and back and slightly tragic, a little bit as an industry thing. Um, but I like these two records are necessary. Uh, it's love and Black Flag were two of their best songs by far. Agreed. Very. Neither there, of those. There's other... some very good songs on these, but yeah. it as a whole, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think Faith, Hope, Love is equal or better to Gretchen, and that's as a person that had the Gretchen and Faith, Hope, Love albums in high school in my mix. And um, the self-titled record again, I love Black Flag, the song, and then I wish there was more of those. There Agreed. Isn't. Agreed. It's. When, when but that's you, a good, I mean, like, it would be good to write one of them. I haven't written one of those. Like, I wish I could write <laughs> one of those. I wish I could write one of those. When, when you, it's, it's like when you see a rookie come up and score a goal. He comes up, he scores this amazing goal, and then he goes two weeks without scoring one. Sure, it would be awesome to score a goal in the NHL, but you did one. Where's the rest? And that's, that's kind of how, this, this album is very top-heavy, whereas the, la, the previous album was not as top-heavy. It was... Much, there wasn't in it. I would say both of these albums tend to have one of my greatest pet peeves for for albums where the tone doesn't change. It, it feels like they found their sound on the amps and taped it down and super glued it and did the entire album that way. And that's the kind of thing that gives me that personally gives me ear fatigue when there's not enough changes in the sound. And that's how... That is the Black Label Society curse right there. I love Zach and I love his playing and I love some of those songs. And then it just started to sound like a mustard sandwich with nothing, no meat, because it's like, it's all the same. A friend of mine asked me about Kiss and he's like, how does Kiss sound live? And I'm like, every song sounds the same. They have one sound. They set their amps to one sound and... They don't even step off the distortion pedal. I mean, it's just, it, it is what it is. And I, I like bands that have a few more colors in their coloring, in their, in their, in their crayon box. Mm. And not that they had a bad sound or anything like that, but I, I like changes. I like changes, especially when you're doing triple-sided albums. You know, we, we've got a 62-minute record, which is nearly as long as Injustice for All. And then we've got a 50-minute album. 
I, I need more more colors. Very, very fair. Fair enough. Um, now, I'm, still, I'm, I might sound like I'm hating on these. I don't no, hate them. No. It's just the, like, like I said, Gretchen was such an eye-opener for me. And these were so different from that that it just mm. comes odd. I get it. I, I still feel like Gretchen is the first foray and the Faith, Hope, Love album is the album that crystallized the sound. Um, I, I they, can totally see that. And they, Doug also, sings, you have your you have your entire career, right? Your first record, and they had technically been making music for fifteen years, have been a band for ten, playing with different other other people and themselves. Uh, Sam had come into their life five years before the first King's X record, or, or like just under five years, three to five years. So take that into consideration that they were, you know. No, I, I totally get that. And I, I would ar- make the argument you have your whole life to write your first two records. Because yeah, most okay. ba- most great, let me rephrase, most great bands do a one-two punch of amazing albums that were written before. Because you've got to have 90 minutes of material while you're playing in the clubs. So, but yeah, it's once you get past that moment, you didn't have all that time to sift through everything to find the diamonds in in the sand and all of a sudden well well we got 12 songs all right fuck it get them get them on wax get it get it done and i I get that and it's hard to it's hard to keep going the first album's easy that's why so many bands have great first records every great band has a great first record every good band has a great first record i mean kiss's first record is still their best Arguably, yes. No, um, Hondo. Okay. Uh, do you have anything else, my brother, to add? I don't to this? have I a have, whole lot I on this one. I can nothing. pontificate for a while on nothing, but I don't think anybody wants to hear that. Right I, now. I predict you and you. You are. We're going to have a lot to talk about next week. This was a shorty, which are the fans mercifully, whoever is out there listening to this, needed <laughs> after the last few. Um, I listened to all these after we posted. Them, so, do I, I, so do I. I, I. I grade myself harshly. So Let me also to... apologize. There were a couple of episodes, especially in the Black Sabbath series, where maybe I had a couple too many beers and I sounded embarrassing. So hopefully I sound better and I've had uh, less beer this evening and less beer during the podcast. And... All right. I, yeah, I will tell you these hazies, I don't pound them like I do the Montuckies. So I've, I've nursed this whole beer. It's still got a little sip in it. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's making the quality better. I hope it is. Give us some <laughs> feedback. Drop us a comment. Tweet at Nick or me at Ghost Cold Keefe or Ghost Cold Mag. And uh, new King's X next year and uh, a couple more King's X episodes after this one. So good stuff, my friend. And let me say, I am excited to hear what they come out with now. <clears throat> Even though I haven't enjoyed these as much as the previous, I'm still excited to see what's coming. I'm reining in all my vibe for the next week because I will not shut up next week. It's going to be, we will need to block out two hours for next week's episode. It's going to be like one of those. I predict at least an hour and a half, hour 15 for next week tops. Because I like, will, I will do my best to listen to because the. Well, you're going to want to listen to it multiple times. I, I will do my best to get three, to get three listens in, including one, when I'm not at work or doing dishes, one where I'm sitting down mm. listening, I will, I will do my best on that one, but I've got nothing else this week besides rambles. Yeah. So right, I will say this. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, please rate and review. Cause that is how we grow. And in the meantime, this is the Glacier musical podcast, which does not play in Peoria. <laughs>